This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. I can't believe it's the last couple hours of October. October 30th, Halloween still to come, and wowzers, week eight in the NFL. Sometimes I think if I just say it out loud a few more times, it'll make it feel more real. This NFL season is flying, and though the league has completely thrown us off kilter with 17 games in 18 weeks, so we're not yet at the halfway point, there are obviously teams that have played the first eight games of their season, so we are getting close. Let that sink in for a second. We're actually close, very close. In fact, we're we're encroaching. It's uh, illegal in the NFL. We're encroaching on the halfway point of this football season. And the storylines, they keep coming, right? Because the NFL is the best reality show on TV. And there's really nothing like it from week to week. We're always seeing a little something, something that we haven't seen before. So excited to dive into the various angles, the various individual feats of strength, and the... Crazy moments that we didn't see coming. I enjoy Sunday so much. It It's stressful because of the 12 hours of taking notes, but it's still totally worth it because I enjoy covering football as much as you all enjoy talking about it. And we've got some phenomenal headlines still in week number eight with the Seattle Seahawks winning again. With Christian McCaffrey becoming the best weapon the Niners have 10 days in, he's already breaking new ground for Kyle Shanahan's offense. The New England Patriots, they own the Jets, now 13 consecutive wins against the team that Bill Belichick hates. That's all I have to say to make sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. And... He becomes the second most winningest coach. That's such an awkward word. I hate winningest. I know it's actually English language, but I can't stand it. So let me rephrase because there goes the perfect show. 90 seconds in because I can't stand the word winningest. Stupid. Who made that word up? Anyway, he becomes the NFL coach with the second most career wins. It's, I mean, it's still awkward. (laughs) he's got more career wins than every other coach except for Don Shula. How about that? That's a little better. Anyway, Bill Belichick, he's racking up the wins. All of that to say, you can pretty much count on them being against the Jets, regardless of where they're playing. He's got a personal ax to grind. And so this is how you know there's no quarterback controversy because Bill was only going out there with the best 
of the best and the best game plan. And it works again. Zach Wilson playing right into his hands. He's mad scientist. I hope he's drinking to win number 325. He probably started game planning for this one going back a month or so. Maybe even earlier than that. Tua is back to his old form. Despite the concerns about his health and the way that the Dolphins looked in the second half of his first game back. Everything that the Bucks do, the Packers seem to follow. <laughs> the struggles on their offensive line in addition to the losses. Now four in a row for the Packers. Now Green Bay has had trouble protecting Aaron Rodgers at points during the season and for some reason has gone away from running the ball. Why the heck were they running the ball so much on Sunday night after falling behind 24-7 in Orchard Park, New York? I don't really get Matt LaFleur's approach. I got to be honest. And every team in the NFC North looking up at the Minnesota Vikings, they've got weapons for days. And here's a question. This is a sincere question. Remember a week ago, I gave you the hashtag stranger things for the NFL and two options. The Giants being six and one, the Seahawks being the only team in the NFC West that was above 500. Now, those two things sort of still apply. Actually, those two teams clashed on Sunday. But why isn't Kevin O'Connell getting the same credit for building a winning culture, turning this Vikings team around, now at a 6-1 and one start, five straight wins. Why isn't he getting the same credit and attention for this turnaround as Brian Dayball is with the Giants? I don't get it. Now, maybe the Vikings have more talented players on paper, But the Giants have a bunch of first-round draft picks. And they've had these pieces, like the Vikings have had these pieces. It took better leadership, a stronger voice, and a change in direction. And both the Vikings and Giants are on that same track. And for some reason, we don't hear as much about Kevin O'Connell as we do about Brian Dayball. And so I love this Vikings story. The Atlanta Falcons are first place in the NFC South, by the way. So your division leaders right now in the NFC, this is crazy. Philadelphia, all right, the NFC beast. Minnesota, Atlanta, Seattle. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand if you knew that's exactly where we'd be sitting in eight weeks because that's not even remotely the case for anyone out there. The Tennessee Titans have won five in a row. The Raiders just got shut out for the first time since 2014. What? How do you get shut out by the Saints? The Saints are a good team, but come on. Crap. Crap is right. There's a whole lot of it in Las Vegas. I'm sure both figuratively and literally. So it's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. And we are live, of course, from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance yours, Rocket Mortgage can help you get there. For home loan solutions that fit your life, Rocket can. Very soon, we will have to choose our four teams 
who are eligible for Mortification Monday. Who is most miserable and mortified when they wake up tomorrow morning, Monday? It's certainly not the Seahawks. And coming up in an hour, Greg Bell, who covers the Seahawks for the Seattle News Tribune, will join us from the Pacific Northwest, where Pete Carroll finally said it out loud. He finally took aim publicly at all the doubters. But really the story in the story between the Seahawks and the Giants is Tyler Lockett. So we'll get to all of that. You can find me on Twitter, A-Law Radio. Also on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. We do have our new Halloween video, Pumpkin Carving, poor Josephine, up on our YouTube channel. So we promised you the second part of our double feature for Halloween. Lots of orange, lots of pumpkin, lots of one-liners by me, making fun of producer Jay, mostly. Well, not Jay, really. More the pumpkin carving tools. They were great tools. I'm the one who stabbed Josephine, and I'll never get over it. But that second video that you've been waiting so patiently for is now up on our YouTube channel. And we've we've seen a ton of traffic to our Halloween candy video, part of our Stairway to 7 series. Speaking of all of that, I had no trick-or-treaters over the weekend. Now, maybe it's because I was gone most of the day on Saturday. Poor Penny. She forgot what it looked like. I was gone most of the day, but... I didn't have any on Sunday and I was prepared to ignore them anyway because I was in the middle of football and and couldn't just couldn't just didn't want to I guess couldn't is probably not accurate I could have answered the door with candy but I was busy get off my lawn and off my sidewalk and so I was expecting to ignore them or pretend like I was incapable of coming to the door but I never got one I heard some pranksters out running around after dark but I never did hear a trick-or-treater. I don't know if they're planning on showing up Monday. If they're going to do it <laughs> before it gets dark, which a lot of the families walk their kids around before it gets dark, I might still be in bed or out walking Penny. It's always hazardous on Halloween. The last time I walked Penny on Halloween, she was eating a trail of Cheetos, and I had no idea. Kept figure I couldn't figure out why she was crunching, and I finally figured out that she was following this. It's like... Hansel and Gretel with the breadcrumbs. She was following a trail of Cheetos and just eating them off the sidewalk. Some little kid was dropping Cheetos for her. So Halloween has been relatively quiet. The weekend, fantastic. Not so quiet, but that's all right. It's good to go out and be a human. (laughs) It's good to go out and have fun. Every couple weekends, I got to do that. And so I enjoyed the weekend. Didn't have much Halloween flair. But plenty of football, plenty of great weather. It was a perfect way to say ciao to October or to get ready for that. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. So let's talk about Sunday night football. This was the game that you all barely, and I do mean barely, we had a three-way race, a three-horse race for the after hours game of the week. The top three choices were separated by mere percentage points. Packers at Bills, Niners at Rams, and then Giants at Seahawks. Those three games led the pack, led the charge in our poll on both Twitter and Facebook. And barely the Packers and Bills came out in front as your choice for game of the week. 
I guess it's fitting because that's where we're going to start. Always we start with Sunday Night Football. And initially, at least, the Bills seemed like they were going to turn this one upside down and turn the Packers inside out. So they had a a three and out to start the game, but that was really the last time that we didn't see them in go mode. Singletary, the lone setback. Two receivers right side, two to the left. Josh takes, turns, wants to throw, play action. Pumps once. Josh going to keep it himself. Now he fires into the end zone. Touchdown. Dawson Knox. Touchdown, Buffalo. Now the Bills have the ball second and one at the Green Bay 26. Josh takes a snap, going to throw, goes to the end zone. And this one is caught. Caught for a touchdown. Let's see. It is Stefan Diggs. It is a Buffalo touchdown. So by the halftime, this is a 24-7 game. Nearly 250 yards of offense before the break for the Bills. And again, that's following their first drive, which was three and out. That lit the fire. Three consecutive touchdown drives for Buffalo, and the Packers really couldn't keep up, at least initially. In the second half, we see the defense start to pitch in. Buffalo stuffs Aaron Jones on a fourth and one. Also, picks off Aaron Rodgers on a tipped ball. Matt Milano comes down with it. But the Bills, they get a little sideways. And so Josh Allen, and you'll hear from him momentarily, Josh Allen throws a couple of passes that he would like back. They're intercepted by Rasul Douglas and Jair Alexander, who is very active on Sunday night. And the door is still open for the Green Bay Packers. A 95-yard drive. And here's what changed on that drive. So this is after the second Josh Allen interception. Buffalo's still up by three scores. And for some reason, the Packers had been running the ball. Now, they were doing well at it. They were running the ball with effectiveness. In fact, they ended up over 200 yards rushing in this game. But they were down and down big already in the second quarter into the third quarter. You've got Aaron Rodgers. And I understand that even I sat here in this chair the last couple weeks and asked for more work for Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. But that's a really difficult way to get back into a game. And it seemed like Matt LaFleur, the Packers, well, probably not Aaron Rodgers, but Matt LaFleur was content to kind of chip away a few yards here, a few yards there. And it just wasn't until their 95-yard drive to start the fourth quarter that they were able to open it up or that they chose to open it up. Rodgers takes, bootlegs to the right, has protection, waits, scrambles left. Now rainbows into the end zone. Touchdown! Touchdown! Green Bay Packers, Samari Toure, the rookie. Toure. I actually heard it pronounced a couple of different ways, but we'll go with the Wayne Larravee pronunciation on Packers radio. That pulls Green Bay within 10 points. But it took so long. It's middle of the fourth quarter. 
granted, there was the fourth down stop, there was the interception, but there were also wasted opportunities. And after all this time of people clamoring for the Packers to run the ball more and not put everything on Aaron Rodgers, especially when his receiving core has been a bit of a revolving door, Alan Lazard hurt against, uh, again tonight, had guys on and off the field. Christian Watson went out with a concussion in this game or concussion protocol in this game. And so it's it's been tough to have some consistency with his receivers, but there's still guys who can catch the ball. And isn't that Rodgers' job as the two-time reigning MVP, as one of the best quarterbacks in the league, to put the ball where these guys can catch it? Yes, he's had drops. They've had drops. But you're never going to catch up if you're just running the ball. And so this had an element of too little, too late. So I absolutely get that there's still a potential with six minutes to go. You're down by two scores. Great. There is a possibility that you can get the ball back. And they did, but only after the Bills run 10 plays and take four minutes off the clock. And so it it felt like that sense of urgency just wasn't there right away or it wasn't there as early as it needed to be in this game, whether late second quarter, early third quarter. As it turns out, it becomes a moot point because when Buffalo gets the ball back, Green Bay really only manages to get into field goal range, and even then it's a long kick attempt. And here we go, 55-yard attempt from the left hash mark. They're going to spot the ball right down on the Bison at midfield here at Highmark Stadium. Snap. The kick is up. The kick is on the way, and it is short. It is no good. 38 seconds left. That should do it. John Murphy with the calls on Bill's radio. So, yeah, after Buffalo gives the ball back, they just got a few minutes anyway. They needed a field goal and a touchdown. They chose at that point not to go forward on fourth and ten. Mason Crosby misses the kick, and all of it is for naught. But how about a little chop-chop, a little sense of urgency before that point? Again, Green Bay successfully runs for 200 yards, and we know what Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon can do. They're a formidable one-two punch. But when you're down 17 points at halftime, it feels like there needs to be a little more of that, as I say, even in the second quarter to try to open things up. This was a game in which the Bills raced out to a hot start and then kind of took a few steps back in the second half. Only three points there in the second half, but a win is a win is a win is a win. And I thought it was interesting that one of the questions for Josh Allen after this game was about whether or not the Bills should be better at running the ball, maybe held up against Green Bay as opposed to throwing the ball. And, of course, he gets picked off twice in the second half. I don't really have a concern with that. I have a concern with making stupid decisions and closing out the game that way either. Things that I can do differently, obviously, that changes the the feeling and the outcome of that game. And, obviously, I have a a crappy taste in my mouth right now. And I know we won. I'm, I'm happy that we won. Our defense played really well. Special teams played really well. Uh, I thought we ran the ball really. There's a lot of positives. We did some things tonight that were uncharacteristic of of how we do things, and uh, um, you know, so we've got a we've got a week to to get those things worked out here, and 
I mean, it's hard to win, and it's good to win whenever you do win, and so I don't want to overlook that. Um, but there was a lot of things in tonight's game that um, that need work. It's a standard. It's a daily standard, and, and uh, you know, there's a lot of areas where we didn't we didn't meet that expectation for ourselves tonight. That's how you know the Bills' culture has changed. And certainly we've seen them make the playoffs. We've seen Josh Allen turn into one of the best quarterbacks in the league. We've seen them stockpile weapons like Stephon Diggs, who ends up with, what was it, six catches for over 100 yards and a score. He and Jair going back and forth. So, yeah, this was a win, a convincing win. I don't know that it was ever really in doubt. And yet, both Josh Allen, who calls it a crappy taste, and Sean McDermott, who's pointing to their missed opportunities, they have a higher standard. That's how you know that you've broken through into kind of the elite group in the NFL when your expectations are not just to win, but how you win and how you take care of your business. As for the Green Bay Packers, there are plenty of questions about how and why and when. Even Von Miller surprised by the fact that they continue to run the ball when in a deep hole. So you hear from Von as well as Aaron Rodgers. The Packers have now dropped four games in a row. We knew this was going to be tough sledding on Sunday night. Just getting started. Coming off of their bye week. The Bills were sitting on five wins, now on six, which gives them the most wins in the AFC. Man, that AFC East, though, a little bit like the NFC East, turning into a beastly competition through eight weeks. Thanks for hanging out with us on this Sunday night. Mary just uh, just, uh, tweeted me to inform me that Monday is Halloween. I don't know what I would do in my life if I did not have Twitter and Facebook to tell me all of the things that I don't know. (laughs) Thank you, Mary. Yes, in fact, Monday is Halloween. (laughs) Noted. (laughs) It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to the After Hours Podcast. Under center takes the snap. Here's a handoff. McKenzie running out to the left across the five. Into the end zone. Touchdown, Buffalo. Isaiah McKenzie from right to left. A little stutter step. And in for six. 1.54 to go in the second quarter. Bills lead it 20 to 7 with the extra point coming up. And man, they can hurt you in so many ways. Aaron Rodgers looks over the defense. Puts Aaron Jones in motion. He wants to throw it. His pass is tipped, and it is picked off. Intercepted by Matt Milano at the 44-yard line. It is Buffalo ball. The pass was tipped as soon as it came out of the hands of Aaron Rodgers. Off the field, on the money, and after hours, it's time to talk football with Amy Lawrence. John Murphy is the play-by-play voice on the Bills radio network. And, yeah, it was a bit of a back-and-forth and a wild upside-down second half for the Buffalo Bills with only a field goal to show for it. But they did have a stuff on fourth down as, all, as well as an interception of Aaron Rodgers and ultimately had a large enough lead and could sit there and watch the Packers continue to run the ball. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. So, yes, I promise the reaction of Vaughn Miller, who was expecting at some point that Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay would start to go deep, would start to air the ball out because they had three scores to make up. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I was, I, was, I was taken back a little bit because I'm like, hey, I got to pass the ball, don't y'all? Like. <laughs> You know, that's just me. You know, of course I want to get sacks and I want to rest the passer and I want to do all this stuff. So I, I, I was like, okay, they got to start passing the ball and got to start passing the ball. But nope. And I even asked him. I even asked Aaron Rodgers, like, on that fourth and one, I was like, hey, y'all not going to drop back and pass the ball? You know, I'm not going to tell you what he said because that's my guy. I don't want to, you know, get anything started. But, you know, I, I, I was just, you know, I was just, it was, it, was, it was a shocker for me personally. I would give pretty much anything a year's salary, which isn't much. Neither Von Miller nor uh, Aaron Rodgers need it. But I'd give a lot to know what it was that Aaron Rodgers said in response. And, you know, last week when he made his weekly appearance on Pat McAfee and then did his press conference with the Packers on Wednesday, he was asked about his controversial comments. I guess I'm, I'm tagging them as controversial. But the fact that he was willing to speak up and say, if these guys can't catch the ball, if they can't have productive reps, if they can't get with the program, essentially, we need to put other guys out there. And he was backed by his head coach. Matt LaFleur said, absolutely. I stand by that. There should be accountability. We need to make changes if the guys that are on the field are not doing their jobs. And so I believe it's up to Aaron Rodgers. And same situation with Tom Brady to start to rattle cages, so to speak, to start to 
serve notice and and let people know that it's not okay to just show up and go out there and do your job poorly. No, if they want to turn this around, they need accountability. They need guys who are disciplined. They need guys who will do what has to be done for them to clean it up. Well, I don't know if that includes Matt LaFleur. And, and again, successfully running the ball for 200 yards is nothing to sneeze at. But it didn't make sense situationally in Buffalo on Sunday night. As for Rodgers and LaFleur, well, it's back to the drawing board. So Matt had to stand in front of the team in the locker room after this loss. I just told the guys that I thought our process in terms of the week of practice, the preparation, the focus, the energy level was where we needed to be. And hopefully that'll start leading to better results. Certainly um, our guys are disappointed. I'm disappointed. But, you know, we, we've got to find a way to write this thing. we got to improve on many things. Also just the discipline aspect. I mean, we were getting killed with penalties. And it's, it's taking points off the board. It's extending drives. You know, when it gets chippy, you got to keep your poise. We can't be losing players to a, you know, personal foul, getting in a shoving match on the sideline. So that was disappointing. That's kind of what's been going on with us. You know, throw a touchdown to Bobby, get a penalty, come back, have a big kickoff return, have a penalty. Uh, think we're getting all our guys back for a week, and then somebody's out. Um, so nobody feels sorry for us. we got to find a way to get one win. I feel like if we can just get one, then the whole momentum changes. I, th- I thought we had a great week of practice. The energy in the pregame in the locker room was different. It felt like the Packers again. I felt like for whatever reason, we didn't have the confidence for a few weeks and weren't playing with a lot of energy, weren't amped up before the game. So I liked the way we felt before the game. Maybe it was Sunday football. Maybe it was being counted out. Maybe it was uh, this environment. But I like... Uh, <clears throat> That's encouraging, but the play in the first half wasn't very encouraging. And that's when they fell into a 24-7 hole. Right now, teams in the NFL with the longest losing streaks. Jacksonville and Detroit have dropped five in a row. Cleveland and Green Bay have each dropped four in a row. Not often that you hear Green Bay in that conversation. Yeah, sure, Detroit. It's been a tough few decades. Yes, Jacksonville. Although they started out playing really well under Doug Peterson. Cleveland, well, we know Cleveland's got their own issues. Don't have their starting quarterback and a myriad of other question marks. But Green Bay? This is not where they expected to be. It's not why Aaron Rodgers returned. This is the longest losing skid since Matt LaFleur took over. And here we're talking about one of the four teams, only four teams in the NFL have reached the playoffs each of the last three years. Chiefs, Bills, Titans, Packers. I mean, you break it down by conference, Green Bay's the only team in the NFC to have reached the playoffs the last three years. They've been a model of consistency. I know it hasn't worked out for them once they got into January and February, but they have owned the NFC North for most of the last decade and really for Aaron Rodgers' tenure, a lot of it. So this is different. Can they turn it around? I believe they can. A lot of it depends on leadership. I think the same thing of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
on Twitter, A Law Radio, also on our Facebook page or our YouTube channel, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Now, coming up, Christian McCaffrey has barely been in the Bay Area for 10 days, and he's already leaving a stamp and introducing himself in a new way to the Los Angeles Rams. Plus, Seattle versus New York, two winning teams, and you all nearly made this the game of the week. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medela. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp and refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house and owning it. Having an advocate who can help you navigate negotiations, timelines, inspections, and more can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. A lot more to get to. We're just getting started. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Kittle is inside of Ayuk, right? They motion McCaffrey, backwards pass to McCaffrey, and he's going to throw downfield wide open. Brandon Ayuk, touchdown! San Francisco! McCaffrey goes right. It is Garoppolo looking. Garoppolo under pressure, throws to the back of the end zone. Caught by Christian McCaffrey. Touchdown! C-M-C! They're going to give it to McCaffrey coming left. McCaffrey, touchdown! San Francisco! He has thrown one. He has caught one. He has run one. He can do it all. The dynamite has detonated. It's time to pull on the pads and hit somebody. On After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. Niners fans must be ecstatic. They're able to win on the road in L.A. And as you hear with Greg Papa and Tim Rice on Niners Radio, he's barely 10 days in a Niners uniform. And already Christian McCaffrey is accomplishing rare and wonderful feats for this NFC West team. Got to respect what they have around Jimmy Garoppolo in a new way now. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. The TD trifecta, as they call it. First time it's been done since LaDainian Tomlinson in 2005, though that surprised me because I would have thought Taysom Hill had done it since then. Um, Maybe it was a playoff game. I I don't know. I'm going to have to go back and look because I feel like Taysom Hill has been pretty close or at least has had a trifecta in a different way. But this is a passing touchdown, a receiving touchdown, and then a rushing touchdown. 
So he has a second quarter toss to Brandon Ayuk that ties the game against L.A. Christian has a third quarter catch for the go-ahead touchdown. And then he caps a fourth quarter drive with his rushing touchdown. And that puts the Niners ahead by double figures. So all of these scores were critical. In that second half, the Niners score touchdowns on three straight possessions, around four L.A. punts, and Christian himself, in addition to this rare feat, racks up 183 combined yards, if you include the passing yards. I was actually wondering about this for fantasy football, because I don't know how this works. If you're a running back or receiver, do you get credit for passing the ball? Nice. Okay, I don't have Christian McCaffrey. I wish I did. I think he's a great pick. Uh, But I love that there is that provision because you'll see guys like Stephon Diggs pass the ball at times as well. And, of course, Taysom Hill. He deserves his own category. So Christian McCaffrey was asked, following this big win inside the NFC West, whether or not this was the perfect game I don't think anyone ever has a perfect game. You know, I think anytime you check the tape, you know, regardless of the statistics, there's always a couple plays here or there where uh, you're kind of beating yourself up about. So I'm sure that'll happen again this week. But that's the beauty of football is there's always opportunities to get better. All of our backs, too, they, they played great today. But, yeah, Christian, a couple of those just weren't really scripted, uh, you know, on the it wasn't how it was planned out. But, uh, yeah, whenever you got a guy like that, and we got a lot of playmakers in there, but you just got to get the ball in their hands. And that's what I was trying to do today. thought, the, you know, they took away some of the deeper stuff from us, and uh, we had to go underneath. But, um, you know, when they do that, our guys run with the ball better than anybody. I think everyone knows how good of a player he is. So I just like how consistent he is and under control on what he does. He's he's a very smart player. And even though he makes a lot of plays and stuff, but the consistency of how he plays his game and stuff, I feel like was a great guy to add for us. You could see that he he's very comfortable with some of the different things that they were asking of him. I thought Kyle did a great job of being able to utilize him. You could see even in some of the different ways that they activated him in the past game. It was a great off-schedule touchdown by he and Jimmy that they hooked up on. For sure, there are a lot of different ways that you can use him, and he's so good, and he's so smart for him to be able to pick up on all of these various nuances and the options in the offense so quickly is a tribute to his work ethic and how much he wants to contribute with San Francisco. And remember, they gave up four draft picks to get him, barely outbidding the Los Angeles Rams to bring him to the Bay Area as opposed to L.A. in the NFC West. A scoreless second half by the Rams. And interesting to hear what Nick Bosa had to say about them waving the white flag. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of surprised when they gave up a little early um, on, uh, I think there was maybe six or seven minutes left and they ran the ball on third down. Um, I was hoping for some more pass rushes there, but um, but I guess they didn't didn't have confidence in coming back. Just continue to work, you know, continue to trust the process that we, uh, that we go week in and week out with. Uh, keep trying to find ways to, uh, you know, get the ball down the field, score points, run the ball effectively, all that kind of stuff. We've done it at times, um, you know, running the ball. We've done it at times throwing the ball. We've got to be able to, uh, you know, do it a little bit more consistently, both, you know, both those uh, aspects of the game. Matthew Stafford did not turn the ball over in this one, so I guess that's a positive, but not even 200 yards passing with a touchdown, and the Rams only had 56 rushing yards. So they're kind of going through a metamorphosis with their run game as well. Uh, And to not score in the second half at home, I can imagine the Niners fans who are on hand love that at SoFi. So here's where we are in the 
NFC West, and we'll we'll work our way from bottom to top. The Cardinals lose a, a wild back and forth with the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday. So the Cardinals are three and five in the basement of the division. The Rams are three and four. The Super Bowl champions are below 500. Very similar situation to the Bucks and to the Packers. Their offenses stop and start. One step forward, two steps back. The Niners are at four and four. Do you know where I'm going with this? That puts us at the top of the division and the Seattle Seahawks. And are you kidding me? The first place team, the only team in the division that is above 500, hosting another team with a winning record on Sunday, the New York Giants. This is a game that, and we're going to talk about it more, and the Seahawks being first place more after the top of the hour with Greg Bell, who will join us from the News Tribune, covered the game in Seattle. Well, this is a game in which the Seahawks defense was smothering. It's not as though the Giants light the world on fire with their offense, but they've been able to run the ball. Daniel Jones has been able to run the ball, both design runs as well as scrambles. There was really no room for him to do that. Saquon Barkley has 20 attempts, only 53 yards. That's a season low for him. And there were certainly missed opportunities for both teams, but you can imagine Tyler Lockett, sick early in the second half. He'd already had a fumble that was a near Seattle touchdown, but he fumbles the ball on the two-yard line. Giants are able to tie the game with a Saquon Barkley touchdown. Boom. You want to give it to us on the two-yard line? Sure, we'll take it. And then after the break, Tyler has a touchdown pass that hits him in the face mask. He's in stride. Hits him in the face mask and goes through his hands, and he is distraught on the sidelines as the Seahawks have to settle for a field goal. New York then ties the game, and the Cameras keep going back to Tyler Lockett. But you know what? The Seahawks were also going to go back to Tyler Lockett. Gino going to throw again on first down. Pump fake. Going to throw deep. Got a man in the corner. It is Lockett. Touchdown, Seahawks. What a drive led by Gino Smith. Tyler Lockett was not going to let this one get away. He hung on 33 yards out, and the Seahawks go on top 19-13. Now Tyler has passed Daryl Jackson for third place on the Seahawks' all-time receiving list of touchdowns with 48. Congratulations to number 16. It was a decidedly different Tyler Lockett on Instagram following this game than the one we saw distraught on the sidelines before that touchdown. What up, 12s? How y'all doing? It's Tyler Lockett here. Hawks win, baby. (laughs) Hey, thank y'all for coming out. Glad y'all was able to support this win, man. Let's get it. That's not the Tyler Lockett that we saw earlier in the second half, but that fourth quarter touchdown was a bit of redemption for him. Geno Smith, another solid game, 212 yards, two touchdowns. New York had trouble not just offensively, but also on special teams. There was a fumbled punt late. Kenneth Walker able to capitalize with a 16-yard TD run, and so ultimately the Seahawks pull away. But yeah, it was the stifling defense, and it was the redemption for Tyler Lockett and the fact that... They've got a chip on their shoulder collectively. 
Pete Carroll finally was willing to speak to all those people who doubted the Seahawks to start the year. All the people that doubt, like you, you're losing that, you know. Like you. You know, like you run the ball too much, you don't understand football, and you know, you don't, you know, you can't stay up with the, the, the new game and all that kind of stuff. That's a bunch of crap, I'm telling you. <laughs> Look, we're doing fine. We're all right, so I don't mind proving it day in and day out. That was a bunch of crap. Love Pete Carroll. The man is always striding along the sidelines like he's got a place to go. He did stop, though, momentarily to talk to Tyler Lockett after the dropped touchdown pass. So at the top of the hour, we'll talk to Greg Bell, who was there and who was also getting the lowdown postgame, right? So it wasn't just Pete Carroll who went up to Tyler. It was Geno Smith. It was his teammates. You got to love these stories inside games. And I also think it's amazing that the Seahawks wanted Tyler to be the one who caught that touchdown pass. So at five and three, they've got a three-game win streak. They're the only team in that division that is above 500, and it's got to be one of the best stories of the year so far. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.